The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello, you gorgeous lot, and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here. How are you all doing? I hope that you are looking after yourselves, staying well, being kind to yourself and each other. Today, Louise and I chat with actor, writer, and director Holly Jack, and we talk about Holly's career, and we also talk about Holly's first short film, Safe Home. And just a little trigger warning for everyone for this episode, round about the kind of twenty twenty-two minute mark um, we talk about the reasoning behind the making of safe home which was the sarah everard case so just to give you all a warning that we do discuss this for a really short amount of time but it's really vital and really important as it was safe home was a reaction from holly to what had happened um, and i understand if that's maybe not where you're at today so just to give you the option you can skip and we will see you next time but as I say uh, we talk about Holly's career we talk about Holly living in LA the differences between working here and working in LA and um, it's just a really lovely great chat with another brilliant human being we are so blessed to have so many wonderful people come and chat with us if you support the work that Persistent and Nasty do and you like the podcast, then you can support us by becoming a Persistent Pal or Nasty Hero. We know that times are tough for everyone right now and with the cuts to Creative Scotland's budget um, by the Scottish Government, they are in U-turn on a U-turn, um, we know that things are going to get even tougher. Um, so for all of you who already give to us thank you so very much and if you can afford to help us out we would be eternally grateful you help keep the podcast going you help keep the advocacy work going you allow us to create a safe and supportive community for everyone um, and you allow a safe space to happen with our coffee mornings for people to come and share where they're at how they're feeling maybe to network or maybe just to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and feel a little less alone in this what can sometimes feel like a very vast cavernous uh, industry of ours so thank you to all of you who do that and if you can we would be extraordinarily grateful you can also support us by shouting about us on social media liking downloading reviewing subscribing to the podcast that also makes a huge difference and really helps everybody find out about persistent and nasty and let our amazing guests be heard by as many people as possible you can follow us on social media twitter at persistent nasty instagram at persistent and nasty facebook persistent and nasty tiktok persistent and nasty you can check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk where you can read the brilliant blogs that have been written by many of you for us and there are some great reads over there and you can always send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com 
You can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram and at ElaineStirrett on Twitter. And you can also submit until the 16th of October for our spooky season podcast call out. If you've got a scene that you've maybe got lying about that's got a little bit of a scary element to it or a spooky element to it, send it on over to us and... Um, make sure that it's maximum of four characters and no longer than 10 minutes monologues five minutes and any stories that you've got to tell us 10 minutes as well and you can send them to persistentandnasty at gmail.com for today's episode oh it's got a little bit it went a little bit cold then it's got a little bit warm again outside so i don't really know what's going on um so maybe a soft drink of some kind what about some ribena i don't I mean, we can mention brands, right? Nobody's sponsoring us, so it's totally fine. Um, yeah, what about some Ribena or some diluting juice, as we say in Scotland, or maybe a can of juice, ginger, for those of you not in Scotland, pop, soda, whatever you call it. Uh, you could always have a lovely glass of wine if you're listening to this at night, maybe a little beer. Or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Holly Jack, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited to chat with you. Um, And we're obviously going to talk uh, about your first short film. Yes. (laughs) I love that face. (laughs) Uh, The listeners can't see it, but there was like, yes, it was a process. I'm excited to hear about it. Um, But before we do that, for anyone who may not know who you are, if you can give us a little potted history of you, how you found yourself in this... uh, What's the word I'm going to go for this week? Um, Challenging industry of ours. That was very diplomatic. I was about to say shit show, so well done, you. (laughs) Yeah, somewhere in the middle of those two. Um... Oh, well, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, oh, no, you don't need to keep it brief. As long <laughs> as you want. This is about you. Celebrate yourself. Oh, no, uh, we're not very good at that, are we, Scots? Um, yeah, so, well, I actually trained in musical theatre, uh, sort of just because my mum was a dance teacher when I was a kid, and that was sort of the natural route to go down. Um, and then, yeah, when I left, I, I went to Glasgow Academy of Musical Theatre Arts and... Um, sort of acting seemed to be drawing me more than anything else and then ended up getting my first gig was River City I think I was 19 Um, I had briefly moved to London before that and really hated it and was really lonely Um, (laughs) and then moved home and um, got got River City quite quickly so I mean as a first job it was absolutely amazing what a way to learn and hadn't really done any TV um, or film at that point, apart from like the the odd student film. Um, so it was such a, it was kind of like an apprenticeship I always think of it as because it's a, it's an amazing place to work, but it's really, really fast paced. You're getting um, loads of lines, loads of amendments last minute and you're sort of thrown in the deep end. So it was an amazing place to learn and I absolutely loved it. And it just met, you know, loads of amazing people and got to work with all different directors and yeah and that's kind of where my my love for for tv started I think and now I am like obsessed with television I can watch hours and hours and hours of it and not feel guilty because I tell myself it's research 
<laughs> absolutely is research oh of course I know it's great um I say that to my husband as well quite often he's like episode six how are you on episode six I'm like I'm working <laughs> working from home um so yeah so that um I did River City for about three or four years the first time and then I thought right I better branch out be brave and sort of step out into the real world and see what that's like um and I did a few other jobs up here I did Waterloo Road and stuff and then I really wanted to go to America and give that a go um and I went out there for a six-week course and I stayed for three years <laughs> oh was it three years you were out there for yeah pretty much I mean I came back the occasional time to like do panto and stuff and make some money and then go back out and start slogging away over there again but it was really addictive because the opportunities out there were amazing um so every time I was really homesick and ready to come home a big audition for like a Netflix show or a movie or something would come in and I'd be like oh well I have to stay and then that just sort of happened on a cycle until suddenly it was three years later and I was like oh I'm still here um but it was amazing and then yeah moved home and I had only been home a few weeks and they reached out and said like what do you what do you think about bringing Nicole back to River City and um it just seemed like a sort of natural thing to do and then that was like five years ago and I'm I'm still there and I still love it and yeah that's that brings us up to where I am now really amazing I'd love to know what you found when you went to um I take it was LA yeah yeah what uh, the kind of differences between working here and working there uh, and kind of just the way the process of everything well it's it's an amazing place to be but it is so hard to survive there like really really tough you know everything is so expensive like I was sharing an apartment with four other actresses so I had this tiny room in an apartment that wasn't even really a room. It should have been like a dining room. <laughs> that was my bedroom. It was $900 a month. Um, and, you know, I was out there on a performer's visa. So you can't just like go work in a bar or whatever. So I was doing like princess parties. I was dressing up as Snow White and going to like these rich American people's houses. and You know, being Snow White for two hours. And it was just, it was mad. It was absolutely mad. But the the way that it works out there is just so exciting and it's just I, I don't know what it is it's just I don't know if the, the auditions are more frequent or because they're for big big huge life-changing jobs but it just always felt like you were on the the verge of something amazing happening um which like I said was very addictive um and yeah it's just the, the attitude out there was just so like you have to be so bold and you have to walk into a room with the, the sort of feeling of, you know, I am here to do the job. You should hire me sort of thing. Whereas I think I'm, I don't know if it's just me or Scots, Scottish people in general, we're always a bit like, oh, hi, like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all right. Like, and you sort of apologise for being there. So I quickly had to learn to to ditch that and, and just be more confident, really, which I think has been a great life lesson, if nothing else. <laughs> Louise and I are doing that thing that we do when we're both on Zoom and it's like, are you going to go? Am I going to go? Who's going to ask yeah, questions? <laughs> are you going to speak? No, I was like, are you going to speak? It's still the national land on a conclusion there. No, I was just going to like, I just comment and agree. I think there's something about, um, I was talking about this the other day at the Persistent Nasty Coffee Morning because um, I lived out in the States for a bit as well, but it was New York and the thing I miss the most is just being able to audition frequently. 
because the, the real, I mean, I, I don't know how it, differ, it differs in LA. I would imagine the actors' equity requirement for EPAs and, and regular auditions is broadly similar, but like you could be auditioning all the time um, because of the rules they have around, well, you're, you're, there is a requirement for you to ha have open calls. Um, whereas here, it's a little trickier. So yeah, it's very, very addictive in the sense you're just like, well, at least I can keep flexing that muscle, um, which yeah. is just half a battle, really. Yeah, and what I love as well is that everyone goes to class out there. They call it class, like acting class. So like twice a week, you're just going and sitting in a, a room full of brilliant actors and having fun, playing around with scripts and stuff. And like, it's just, that's just the norm. And and actually in auditions, they ask you like, oh, who's your acting coach? So it's just like, it's just like a, a normal thing. And I, d I did often think when I came back here, I should really like try and, go to a class or start a class or something I, often, I actually still think that <laughs> uh, maybe we should get on that just like make it a regular thing but obviously it's um it's expensive as well that was another thing and that I had to pay for when I was out there and and people get coaching on every audition as well so you know you're a hundred dollars to go and sit for an hour with an acting coach and go through your audition but my god it helped like it was it was like having a one-to-one -one director before you go in the room so by the time you go in you just feel so prepped and so ready and it, yeah it was just it's like a machine you're just like you're, you're really you're working on your your fitness as an actor over there all the time it feels like and I felt like I was really in shape as an actor. <laughs> I think that's a really important thing I think there's a snobbery here about that though like you know you've gone to drama school you've trained at college or whatever and then you've done work and it's like oh well that's you you're done rather than I think probably what most of us feel is that you know as a performer you never stop learning nor should you because that's yeah. when you're in dangerous territory um but it does feel like there's such a snobbery here about acting classes and I wonder if it's just the term because it's a class so it makes people think about school I don't know yeah, I know when really what it is, is you're just getting in a room and you're just, you know, you're just using those muscles. And I think it's so healthy and, and also mm. just to give you that creative outlet as well. Like we crave that, I think, as actors and, and as creative people. Um, And it's just good for your soul. Like I remember during lockdown, my friend Susie and I did some stuff. We just made a couple of little things on Zoom and it wasn't like we were, you know, <laughs> making a masterpiece or anything, but it was so like creatively satisfying and it just felt amazing and really lifted both our moods and yeah I think there's something to be said for that. It's sort of mad when you think in any other job you'd either a be doing it regularly and or all the time every day mm -hmm. or if it was a specialism of some kind the expectation to keep your knowledge sharp and what you do sharp would just be the norm it's like of course you're going to keep going like if you're a doctor you go and get updates and you go to classes to find out what's what's changed in medicine and make sure that like you're you're from the 10 years on that you got your medical degree that you're, you're up to date like that would exactly just yeah like, so it's sort of mad that like there's this idea of like oh no you've done your training now if you're in a class you can't still be like I mean it's yeah it's sort of mad I feel like yeah. it would actually be remiss of me at this point not to point out that um there has been something started called go on your cell it's like a go on your cell actors workshop that's been mm -hmm. started by a bunch of actors, Morgan Woods, Rebecca Dunn and Katrina McLeod, who's a writer-director, they've yeah. started it recently. They're in their sort of trial phase, but it's actor-led sort of actor's gym kind of thing. So just going to okay. shout that out. Maybe we can put a link to their mailing list in the show notes because they've just started. So like they're just trying to find their feet. But I think that is the goal because they are coming from a similar place on it. 
fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. That I think that sounds great. Um, so yeah, so that was that was LA. It was it was mad. It was amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I I I probably wouldn't rush back, but I'm so glad I did it. And um, how did it feel coming back to River City after having had that break? Amazing. It was like, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> after being out in the big bad world, I had such a new like appreciation for the place and like that, just getting to act every day. And I think that's why I'm still there now. It's like, yes, I'm playing the same character, but like with a soap, you're sort of, you never know what the character's going to be going through. You're, you're playing such a range of things and it changes all the time. And I think that's what keeps it interesting for me and, and just getting to act all the time it's just brilliant like that thing I'm saying about you know we all want to just be acting as much as possible it it gives you it gives you that um and I think like some again it's like some people can be a bit snobby about soaps and soap acting and you know there can be certain people think that you learn bad habits and stuff like that but actually if you if you always remind yourself like you know I can I can do this to the best of my ability and you know you try and use it as an opportunity to get better then I think it's I think it's brilliant so I'm really really lucky and I'm so grateful for the for the you know a nice safe space to do that every day (laughs) which is really important and lovely that it's like you get to just experience that and it's again that kind of snobbery right about soaps but it is that thing that people don't think about about continuing drama of like you are going through so many different things over like over the course of a year or a couple of years that if you were doing a short film or a feature or even a six-part series you're really limited in what's going to happen and what your performance is going to be yeah totally and and that like I say is what keeps it interesting I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's just, <laughs> it's a challenge as well because sometimes like the stories might be a bit out there or like the the scenes are, are quite tricky in the way that, you know, there's huge jumps to get to an emotional place a certain way or very quickly sometimes and things. And if you just use it as right, okay, this is this is a scene. I have to find the best way to play it. And and it's fun, you know, if you can, if you can think about it in that way, it is, it's, it's great fun. And, yeah, we do quite often just go to our work and, you know, think, I can't believe this isn't my actual job. I'm just getting getting paid to getting paid to carry on. I think that's probably a really good thing for the listeners as well, that just that reminder that, you know, you're watching a soap and you're not getting the build like you are in theatre to that emotional point and that you've maybe like, you know, that scene's come in at some point later. Because I think audiences in general forget about that, about TV and film, that not everything is done chronologically. Oh, completely. And I mean, it very rarely is. So, I mean, right now we are working from 12 different episodes. So if you can imagine trying to not only just keep track of where you are in the story and who you've spoken to and what knowledge you know yet, do I know that piece of information yet? No, I've just learned that. And sometimes you you have to pitch a scene that's like really high intensity or emotion, but you haven't shot you know the reason why you're feeling like that yet and then when you do go back to shoot that scene you have to go oh actually I was so much more stressed at that point or you know it's just it is like a big puzzle that you're constantly trying to fit together um which again I enjoy I quite like that challenge um but yeah it's definitely not the same as 
you know doing a play where you've got an hour to to work up to get you to that place and and sometimes it literally is just like you know first set up of the scene is you it's your close-up goal you know and it's like I've just you've just your dad's just died or you're you know you're whatever like you've just lost the love of your life and you've got to play this big emotional scene out of nowhere and I always feel like if you can if you can do it on a soap, it's like if I was to go on to like a big high-end drama and have all day to shoot that scene, I'm like, I don't know, maybe maybe I would hate it and be like, oh, I can't do the scene 20 times, you know, or maybe I would love having the time to play around and rehearse more and stuff because we don't get a lot of time to rehearse, but it's sort of flying by the seat of your pants most of the time, which which is quite exhilarating, really. I mean, I quite like that anyway, but it is quite a t- <laughs> quick turnaround at River City, isn't it, that you've got? It's not... It's not oh like my- you've got a, a good full day to work on a scene. No, no, you shoot, I mean, anywhere between six and eight scenes a day. And um, we've actually just got a bit of a, a longer block time now. So now we've got 12 days to shoot four episodes instead of 10 days, which sounds which sounds crazy, but that's what we get through. So, um, yeah, it's definitely fast paced. Uh, so let's talk about your film. Yay! I know that's why I'm here. Um, yeah, that's it's been mad. It's been mad. It's been so fun, and I've absolutely loved it. Um, I've definitely caught the bug for for sort of writing, directing. I think so. Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. Um, where do I start with it? Well, yeah, it was during lockdown basically that I I wrote the script. It was after the it was after the Sarah Everard murder. Um which really, I mean, still haunts me so much. I just, I don't know if it was because we were in lockdown as well, but I, I could not stop thinking about it. Um, found it so distressing and just, I think with, with being stuck in the house as well, just you felt really hopeless and um, I had to be super careful during COVID um, just because I'm on immunosuppressant and medication and so I didn't want to go to any of the rallies or anything like that and I felt like, what can I do? So... I ended up writing this script so um, in a nutshell the, the film's about a, a girl making her way home from a night out and it's sort of set in a slightly dystopian future so um, I, I, I was hoping to make it feel a bit like Black Mirror um, so there's this there's this app in use um, and it's called Safe Home and you order it a bit like you would order an Uber but it sends a drone to like walk you home and the idea is that it, it follows your position, it lights you really well, um, it, it makes big, big loud announcements so that everyone knows where you are at all times and if anything was to happen to you, it would sort of alert the police or whatever. Um, and the, the main character, uh, Jen, is like very sceptical at the start of the film about it. She She's not really into tech, she, she doesn't really fancy using it at all. Um, but as the walk sort of progresses and gets a bit scarier and various things happen to her, she then decides that she she has no other option but to download this this app and then the drone comes and, and walks her home. And the sort of the whole twist, I suppose, without giving too much away, is um the, the log line that I wrote is will will you will she be betrayed by the, the thing that's supposed to protect her? So it was sort of came from, you know, Sarah blesser was was you know trusting it was a it was a police officer it was supposed to be someone who you know she felt safe around and would protect her and obviously that was like the worst betrayal that could ever happen so the drone is sort of meant to represent that in the film 
I mean, it's a really like <clears throat> I think probably everybody felt the same, Holly, with the Sarah Everard thing. It really struck. I think it was probably partly because it was during COVID, but also the fact that he was a police officer. And then, you know, the reality for lots of people who are, are like, you know, have, have experienced stuff like that. And it's always like, well, why didn't you report it? Well, we have the evidence as to why we didn't report it. It's right there. Yeah. It's also using your kind of phrase that you've got for uh, the title of the film, Safe Home. I mean, I, I just as you were saying it, I was like, how many times in my life have I said to my friends, Safe Home? text me when you're home, text me when you're on your way or like back in the day when we might not have even had money in our phones and might have had a, had a landline ring my phone so I know you're home. Yeah. Like just all of that really. And I'm kind of going, it must be tens if not hundreds of thousands of times I've said that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, like writing the script was just like, it was honestly the easiest thing in the world and not because I'm a good writer, just because it was my lived experience. Um, and there's a couple of things, like there's a, a bit where the, the girls say to her, right, um, safe, send us your safe word when you get home. And they've got a safe word because not only do you then, because I, I was thinking like, okay, well, if a murderer abducts me, they can send a message from my, ho- my phone saying, that's me home. So the girls in the film have got a safe word that they use. And, um, when the when Jen orders her drinks, she asks the the barman to bring her beers over and keep the lids on until he's at the table because that's something that I do when I'm out because I've you know I've experienced people having their drinks spiked in the past and just all these little details that like when people have watched the film they're like oh that's really cool I like that wee detail and I'm like this is just our life this is just that's all it is it's just stuff that we actually do um, and then there's a moment where she where Jen the character sees a police officer. And our natural reaction is now one of fear as opposed to one of feeling relieved that there's there's police presence. And I just think that's so sad that that is that's where we're at now is that, you know, that, that has a negative connotation. Whereas growing up for me, it always had a if I, if I saw a police presence, I always felt better. And now I don't. And that's just sad. It's just the um, the realisation, isn't it, of the world in which we live and the fact that we can't take anything for granted and that nothing is as safe as it could be and it's the argument you know not all men argument and I'm not attacking men here but the problem is that we don't know which one of you it is as many of us have said a million times before so it's not that it's we don't think that the guy that's chatting to us automatically is going to be the one that's going to um, do something on the way home or whatever, but it's so that our guard is up all the time. Yeah, yeah, and it's exhausting. It's It really is. It's just like what I tried to capture in the film is that she has like such a great night out with her friends that she's not seen for a while and they're laughing so hard, having a great time. But no matter how good your night out is, I feel it's always tainted by, but how do I get home? Even when I was going to like the fringe, it's like I never wanted to see the show at 9 p.m. because then the train home is really late. It's things like that that you just, you know, that men just get to take for granted, or most men like get to take for granted. Um that that we just have to consider in everyday life. Like you say, your guard is just always up. 
Yeah, so really um that that thing you're talking about, all like all the little details, like most women will watch it and be like, Yep, recognize that, instant recognition. And you know, the the amount of times I've I've had conversations with the men in my life, good men, like men that get it and they're still like surprised by the constant health and safety audit that we just have running in our heads automatically. Like it's just there to the point where it's running, it's a program running without us even noticing. It's just there in the background, like keys in hand. Which way, which route am I taking now? It's after dark. Am I going this way? It's quicker, or am I actually going around the long way because it's better lit? Like, mm-hmm. is this guy who's walking towards me going to say something, or is that going to turn into something? Like, just it's just constant, and you just that's just how we live our lives. And um, it's when you have those conversations that that with those little, those little details or that 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 you remind people, men specifically, of that fact, and then you're suddenly like, yeah. Yeah, that is fucking mad that I have to do that all the time, isn't it? Like that's how, <laughs> that's just running in the background of my life constantly. Yeah, that's your inner monologue just all the time, just trying to go about your day. I know, I know, I I actually don't go walking on my own at all now, unless it's like unless it's somewhere like I've got a, a housing estate just all the way around me and I just walk around. It's, I mean, it's really ugly and I just walk around the housing estate because I don't want to go into like a, a wooded area that would be lovely and great for my mental health because I would just spend the whole time being stressed and worried, you know, and it's like, it's just, yeah, it's mad. It's, it's as sad it is, but it's just the way life is right now, unfortunately. But hopefully like things like this film that you're making is putting that message out there so that people start to really have the conversation I think with everyone from a much younger age about you know like what it is to be an ally and to make sure that you are then calling out that behavior in your friends and um, no matter what gender you are like call that behavior out uh, in your pals like and you know films like this and conversations that we're having is the way that we change it because if we don't then it just keeps pe- perpetuating right it's just that constant thing absolutely um, and there's a there's a tiny moment in the film as well where bless him it was my uncle who I got I got to, <laughs> to play the part he's like he's, I think in the script it's scary man in park um but actually he's the loveliest guy and um basically she there's he sort of ends up following Jen and to the point where she has to just stop and turn around and face him and he just says to her oh it's cold tonight eh and keeps walking and then she feels like the idiot because it's like, oh, he was never a threat after all. But quite a few men who've watched the film since then have said to me, oh, I, I always try and cross the road and, you know, not make myself a threat and stuff like that. And I was like, well, great. I mean, that's it's a, it's a very small thing, but actually it's something that they can actually do. And I was like, brilliant. So if even if it's tiny changes like that, then at least it's something. And that's it. It's the conversation, right? And it's like planting the seeds and everything. I would love to not move away from it because it's such an important topic, but I would really love to know how the process of the um, making the film was for you, uh, Holly. And obviously it's now going to some festivals and the reaction to it and what's happening with it. Yeah, so um, so like I say, I, I wrote it and then it, it sort of sat in my computer for about a year and it was one of those I would love to make it but I don't know where to start and I'd never I'd never made a short film before um and then I entered it into um GMAC's little picture scheme 
and it, it got rejected and that was fine. But then lovely Wilma at GMAC reached out to me and said, um, I know you're obviously trying to get into film. Like, how would you feel about producing one of the films that did get picked? And I was honestly, I was just like, I I wouldn't know where to start. I, I, I don't know anything about it. And she was like, we'll mentor you through it. You know, we'll really help you learn the process of what it's like to produce and everything. And I was like, well, great. Like, why not? And I did. Um, and I produced a film by Bonnie McRae, um, All Up There, which is um, about endometriosis. And the film's amazing. And it was such a wonderful experience. Um, it was hard. It was hard. We had next to no money. The budget that they give you is great, but it's tiny. Um, and we were trying to do something very ambitious with it. Um, so that sort of threw me into the world of how do you hire equipment and how do you find a DOP and it was sort of just, again, like thrown in the deep end. You have to learn how to do it, basically. And GMAC were amazing and really helped. Um, so that really made me go, oh, OK, this is doable. This isn't something that is so far out of my reach, you know. Um, so then I decided just to make make my own film. Um, and I, I had a little bit of money saved up that I was going to go and do a course in directing because it was something that I'd been thinking about for a long time. And I thought, you know what, rather than pay for a course, why don't I just use that money to make make the film? And then I'll have not only the experience of, you know, I think you learn on the job just as well, if not better than in the classroom. And also I'll have something to show for it at the end. So that was my plan. It wasn't a lot of money that I'd had, but I had a little bit there. And I reached out to Short Circuit with a little blurb. It was like two sentences about what the film would be. And I said, I've got a very small budget attached. Um, but I need, a, I need a producer. And they sent it out to their database of producers and a few got back to me. Um, and one of them was was Penny Davies um, at Smashing Pictures. And we spoke on the phone and immediately I was like, oh, like she's the one. She was so passionate about the about the film. Um, I had love consumed the short that they had made the, a couple of years before. And, and I was like, great. And honestly, it was the best thing ever was getting paired with them because they've, they've been amazing. And I could, I would never have got the film finished if it wasn't for them. Um, and then I sort of just started asking for favors and reaching out to people. Um, all the locations that we used um, are all, you know, below. Like the house is my mom's, um, the pub is her partner's pub, and all the basically all the essays and and it are my friends and family. <laughs> um, Jen is played by the amazing Lindsay Campbell, who I'm I'm friends with as well. Um, so yeah, I basically just roped in everyone <laughs> that I know to help me out, and we did pay everyone, which I was very much like I want to pay everyone something. It's not a lot. It's definitely not their their normal rate. But um, at least, you know, that sort of lets them know that it is a professional gig and everyone is, you know, at least not losing money because I would hate for it to cost people money to come and do it. And, yeah, just got amazing people on board. And Elisa Alcaldi, who is the DOP, um, had had met on the other film that I did on Bonnie's, Bonnie's film all up there, and she was amazing. She was one of the first people that I sort of sent the script to, actually, and she was just on board from day one. And my goodness, she did so much prep. We spent like two months prepping the film and she was driving through from Edinburgh to to like Airdrie where we were going to shoot it. Um, honestly, she must have come through like 20 times. And we walked around every single park in North Lanarkshire, I think, just being like trying to find the perfect scary location. Um, so, yeah, basically, I just got loads of amazing people on board and... 
it really made me feel great because I was thinking for this to be bad, I would need to be really, really terrible at my job because I've got such great people in my team who are going to be wonderful. And it really gave me the confidence to just go, do you know what, stuff it, let's just let's just try and see what happens. And it's a very ambitious idea to make a short film that has drones and all night shoots, you know, it was loads of locations. It was it was no mean feat, but um I was absolutely thrilled with what what we ended up with. Um, and then needed to shout out Serious Facilities as well, who did all the post-production on it, and they were absolutely amazing. Um, they did all the graphics, which really bring the film to life and give it that futuristic sort of feeling and stuff. Um, and they enhanced the drone. Like, the drone we used was real, um, which I was never sure if it would actually work. <laughs> and I wasn't sure how you, how you go about that, because flying a drone, you know, a couple of metres above someone's head... When I first wrote the script, I was like, well, that's never going to be allowed to happen. <laughs> uh, but we got an amazing drone pilot who who was brilliant and, and Lindsay was like very brave and let us, you know, fly it above our head for three consecutive nights. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we ended up with, with a finished film somehow, God knows how, but we, we managed to pull it together. That's incredible. Well done. Like, that's... That is amazing. Um, I'm in the throes of trying to produce a film right now and it is hard. It's so hard. So that's just like, yeah. What? Yeah, congratulations. That, that's just fun. So it was really hard. So well done. Thank you. You know, that's, that's how I felt, honestly. And that's what I said at the end of it. I was like, I have a finished film. Like, even if no one ever sees it, like, I don't care. Like, I'm just, it felt like the best learning experience I could ever have wished for. Because until you're in those moments of, you know, it's 2 a.m., in a dark park in Airdrie and there's drunk people coming up trying to, what are you filming? And, you know, the the drone battery's about to die and the rain's about to start. And until you're in that moment and you have to just go, no, like, just keep going, keep going, keep going, let's get through it. Um, you're never going to know what it feels like and if you can actually, it's sort of sink or swim. Um, and I loved it. I got such a buzz off it. So then when it came to, like, you know, actually starting to send it out to festivals and stuff, I sort of felt completely free because I was like, I don't, you know, I've already had the experience. Of course, I would love it now to get out there and people to be able to see it, but I really didn't, I wasn't worried about it getting into like film festivals at all. I said, if we get into one, great, that'll be a, that'll be a win. Um, and then, yeah, we were just back from the weekend there. I was in France at uh, Dinard and it was absolutely incredible what, a festival what an experience it almost it was total like pinch me moment I was thinking how have we ended up here um and then it's going to a few Scottish ones and it's going to Sunderland uh, later in the month as well so I'm so chuffed I'm so chuffed it's out there and about and yeah like I say it's just been the best experience and so creatively satisfying that's what I was craving was like just getting involved with all the different departments and seeing something from like conception all the way through is just it's just great and I love being an actor but you don't get a lot of agency over many parts of it you 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 obviously can shape your your role and and stuff but you sort of have to turn up say what you're told to say wear what you're told to wear and go home whereas with directing and writing you you're really creating something that is a piece of you and and bringing together all the the different um heads of department and and you know guiding them to to your vision but ultimately letting them do their own job and everything it's just it's just brilliant so 
I've definitely caught the bug, unfortunately. So, <laughs> um, what's the reaction been at the festivals? Well, that was the first one was just at the weekend there and it was a room full of French people. So it was subtitled, which was very weird because they were like laughing at moments that I didn't particularly think were funny. And and actually like the twist when that comes out at the end, um, the, it was such a mixed reaction. Some people were really laughing. Some people were sort of had a bit of a gasp. And yeah, it was bizarre just sitting there. I've seen the film a million times, so I wasn't really watching the film. I was just like kind of listening, engaging the reaction and trying to deal with the butterflies in my stomach. Um but it seemed to it seemed to land, which was which was great. Um so I'm intrigued to see how it how it goes down with a Scottish audience because it is it's different, obviously, when you're reading subtitles as to to letting the moments land, you know, as they are on screen. So I'm intrigued to see how that'll be. Um but but when we had the cast and crew screening, um, it, it everyone well everyone was very nice about it afterwards. But obviously they'd worked on it, so we're biased. <laughs> <laughs> and what Scottish one is it going to? Uh, so it's this weekend actually on Sunday. It's going to HB Film Festival, so that's the eighth. But I think it's sold out, and uh, this won't go out before then anyway, will it? So, and then um, Edinburgh Short Film Festival on the twenty seventh of October. It will go out before then, so excellent. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, yeah, so it's going to Edinburgh as well, which is great because quite a lot of the cast and crew are from Edinburgh, so it's a wee local one for them, which will be nice. I mean, I think it's amazing what you've done, like, just as Louise said, like, congratulations, like, and I really kind of admire your reaction to just have done it and that's it. And then it's like you've let yourself be free about what then the next part of it is, um, which... I can imagine sometimes must be really hard to then just be free with it when you've created something and you do want the world to see it. But to know that you've done it is also just an amazing thing. And so now you've got the bug, what's the next thing? Yeah, um, well, I've actually been shadowing um, one of the directors, David Winston, down at River City, which has been amazing because, I mean, it's it's the total opposite of doing a short film. A short film's, you know, it's all you, it's all in your head. That's, you know, you make what you want to make. Whereas something like doing a continuing drama it's very much here's your four scripts you've got 12 days to bring them to life you know um and it's quite regimented and um like I've said um it's very very fast and stuff so I think if I can continue to shadow down there maybe eventually do an episode or two of that I think it would be an amazing way to learn how to do tv because it's like I say, it's very different from just being like, oh, I quite like that shot. I'll do that because I want to, and because it's in my head, it's a it's a totally different discipline. And I think ultimately, I would love to direct TV. I think just because, like I've said, I just I just love it. I love the format of really getting to know characters over a long period of time. And um, yeah, I think obviously that's a that's a long way away right now. But it's it's good to have good to have goals, good to have things to aim towards. Absolutely, you've got to aim high, babe. Like this is it. When you, I mean, you you started with a, an idea that came from like I need I need to respond to something that's really affected affected me, and here you are a couple of short years later with a film doing the festival circuit. So why the heck not? I see Holly Jack showrunner for the next HBO <laughs> prestige drama in your future. <laughs> oh wow, yes, that would be great, wouldn't it? Fingers crossed. And do you think you'll keep writing as well, Holly? 
Yeah, I've been writing on and off. Um, it seems to come in bursts for me. Like I can really sit down and write something for a few weeks solid, and then I just don't write anything at all for months and months and months. And I've kind of again, I'm just a bit like, okay, well, that's obviously what's happening. So I'm not going to force myself into it. Um, just if it comes, it comes. I've got a, a pilot that um, they're sort of pitching to some production companies and stuff just now um but it's a period drama so it's it's very very expensive so I don't know if it'll ever get made (laughs) but um but yeah I just think anything that's sort of striking that artistic chord for me I'm just going to go with because I just think it's the world's hard life's hard I'm like it's just anything that makes you feel better really in it Absolutely. Also, I loved when you said about the bursts of writing and Louise was like, thumbs up, feel you, babe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a person that could sit and just force myself to do it. If it's not coming, I'm just like, well, don't force it. If it if it wants to come out of my brain, it will at some point. No, I know, same. And I torture myself with that. I'm like, I'm going to write today. And then I sit and I look at the, the cursor flash, flashing away at me really aggressively. And I'm like, nope, that's not happening. <laughs> look at all this laundry I need to do. <laughs> I know. I know you can though I mean well some people can actually just sit down and do it no matter what but yeah no, I hate those people those wanna... people can get in the sea <laughs> <laughs> brilliant no Louise your film sounds great I'm, I'm very excited to see it oh thank you thanks very much that's uh yeah uh so am I I'm excited to see it I'm excited <laughs> to see it just like end finish be in the can which I'm sure you can relate to um Absolutely. yeah <laughs> I'm excited to see it too Um, so Holly before we finish up we like to ask a question do you want to ask a question because you do it so beautifully that's too much pressure Um, hello Uh, sorry for that noise Um, so our question is uh, Holly uh, we like to ask our guests when they hear the name persistent and nasty what it means to them bit of context behind that is the name was formed as a sort of tongue-in-cheek response to a couple of cultural moments that took place five or so years ago which was the nevertheless she persisted moment with Elizabeth Warren and then the whole nasty women movement that came off the back of a certain orange monstrosity and his going to jail because he basically admitted he's fraud yesterday in front of cameras (laughs) and stuff I'm like bye motherfucker bye girl bye uh, so yeah so that's where it came from it was a kind of like very in the moment cheeky little response um, so with that in mind we'd like to ask our guests when you hear persistent nasty what does it mean to you what does it make you think I love that um, yes but I feel like so often when I was growing up I got words like persistent used in a negative way towards me um, and you know even words like ambitious like I remember at drama school they were fired at me as as a negative like oh yeah like as if as if having ambition is a bad thing and like I think as women we, we so often are you know thought of if you're if you are confident if you are willing to put yourself out there and and speak out and use your voice it's like sit down and, and and be quiet and hopefully it's getting better but yeah when I when I hear that word persistent I just think yeah I'm persistent and you have to be and and I'm kind of proud of that um and yeah nasty as well like again taking it back to the tv show um did you ever watch the tv show about uh, the founder of nasty gal 
if not, it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's on Netflix. Um, and again, it was that sort of thing. Um, she she took a word and sort of turned it on its head, and I love that. So yeah, I think it. I think it is very tongue in cheek, but also it's kind of a, kind of a fuck you, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. 10 out of 10, no notes. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Holly, thanks so much for coming and chatting with us this morning. It's been an absolute joy. And um, for everyone who can get along to see um, Safe Home at the Edinburgh Festival, Short Film Festival, I will link uh, that in the show notes of today's episode for people as well. And that's on the 27th of October, you said? 27th at 7.30pm. I think it's at Summer Hall. And then eventually, once it's, I think they say do do this festival circuit for a year, don't they? And then eventually, I'll put it online and everyone can see it. Sometime. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so if you can't make the festivals that it'll be at, eventually you'll get to see it online. Yes. Um, Holly, thanks so much again. And until next time, lovely listeners, stay, stay nasty. nasty. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> see you.